Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, we have a very special guest, Mike Brown, host and creator of Dark Poutine, a podcast about Canadian true crime and dark history, as well as a host on Supernatural Circumstances and now author of Murder, Madness, and Mayhem. Today, we'll talk about Mike's journey into the world of true crime, share some of our favorite stories, and just have a raucous good time. So as always, expect some foul language, but other than that, today's episode is rather wholesome, so we hope you enjoy. Let's get ready for another Human Exception. lady's voice is gonna pop on oh in a second. i got Care so used it. to craig and now right. yeah recording in progress oh. <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> i miss craig i thought i'd never say that it's like gps you yeah <laughs> right i just I yell at my GPS all the time. Oh, Don't you God. tell me how to live my life. <laughs> she always interrupts the, like, the good part of my show. I'm like, could you have not waited? Oh my God. And the murder was right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Mike, you know, Nathan, obviously, you yeah. know, me, we've met a couple of yeah. times. Um, <laughs> and then we have Hallie and Courtney. Um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Your people. <laughs> you got your own agency. We're, we're, we're independent functions. I'm so now, glad. Now you give me agency. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad right. we got out of the matrix. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm Hallie. Hello, Mike. It's a genuine oh. pleasure to meet you. Oh, wow. Genuine. It is. I'm <laughs> very serious. I, I Kayla and Nathan introduced me to Dark Poutine, and I've been a big fan ever since. So this is really cool. Oh wow! So yeah. that makes that means I have three, four fans. Now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't I think you have a couple more than that. But it includes my mom. Oh, <laughs> adorable. Yeah, yeah I don't so... remember if nathan and kayla showed me dark poutine or if i found it when i was scrolling one day but like i got very excited when they're like oh we know mike yeah yeah we were we were talking about your book and um they're like oh that's great that's awesome blah blah, blah. like yeah that was so cool to talk to mike and i'm like i just know mike is the guy that we wrapped his desk in tinfoil for his birthday once but <laughs> that's you know, right I can see yeah. wants to come on. <laughs> exactly that's exactly what happened <laughs> Or I came back from, uh, I was on vacation one time yeah. and I came back and there were orange balloons everywhere on my desk. Yes. So, yeah. Ah, good times at that telecom we won't mention. <laughs> yeah, that place. <laughs> that place. Welcome back to the Human Exception. Um, and this week we have a very special guest, the host and creator of Dark Poutine and all around exceptional human being, Mike Brown. Hooray for me. Yeah. <laughs> So if you aren't familiar with Mike, which you should be, um, he's the host of Dark Routine. It's a critically acclaimed podcast. Uh, like other people talk about it. He's been on TV for it and stuff. Um, yeah. The focus on true crime, dark history and everything in the Great White North. So stuff you probably never heard of if you have never really been to Canada. That's right. Yeah. Stuff I've never heard of. So 
stuff know. I've never heard of. Yeah, <laughs> Canada's got a bunch of stuff that's happened. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Well, we've got such a noisy neighbor to the south. We're we're being drowned out by all that all the time. Constantly. Yeah. I'm so sorry on behalf of all Americans. I'm hey, really you know sorry. What? No, that's that's okay. <laughs> We have to speak a little louder than you folks. That's all. <laughs> hey, can Good you notice us? Hi. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so we just figured we'd bring you on to talk about all the things that we love, which is, you know, true crime and all that jazz. Okay. And talk a bit about you and your wild, crazy adventure that's been the last couple of years. Holy crap. Well, I'll start at the beginning. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you didn't come out? like the full mic that we know now yeah, i came out with the mustache and this <laughs> voice <laughs> wah wah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. been crazy yeah i look i remember when we were working together that like you're like oh yeah i know i'm gonna start a podcast and i was like you can do that people just do that and yeah, thing and, you know. <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i mean it was a little weird when i realized hey wait a minute i can do that <laughs> you know i'm listening to like serial and um all those different shows like the cbc podcast david ridgens somebody knows something or someone knows i can't remember mm-hmm. this, but mm-hmm. you know i listened to those and i thought hey these guys are doing something that i can probably do so i was <laughs> i was really nervous about it so i asked a few friends and one guy worked in uh, TV and radio, and he connected we, me with a whole bunch of professional podcasters and radio show hosts like Buzz Bishop from here in Vancouver and all kinds of different folks like that. And they all just told me, just start blathering, you know, <laughs> pick something, pick a topic and do it. And then I've always been interested in cr- true crime. So that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like in Mike's the big reason that I ended up getting into podcasting because I was like, well, I know a guy who did that. I think I could figure that out. And I <laughs> annoyed Mike a bunch. Like, okay, well, how do you start? What do you do? What do you, where do you yeah. post your stuff? And then, yeah. So you can curse or thank Mike for that, uh, depending on how you feel about me. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry to everybody. <laughs> Typical Canadian. Yeah. So you guys launched on um, Halloween, didn't you? Yeah, Halloween 2017, and uh, I took a screenshot of our first two downloads, which were me and my <laughs> my co-host, who shall not be named. He is, he is Voldemort, but anyway, um, we uh, yeah we we thought okay, this is going to be a little fun, and who knows what's going to happen. And a month later, we had a thousand downloads or something like that, and I, I kind of celebrated each each milestone on. Uh, Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, just kind of ticked along. And I just started putting myself out there and go showing up at different events. I went to Crime Con and uh, a podcasting event in Toronto the year that we launched. And uh, interestingly, I just started meeting the right people who would talk about my show and get it out there. And it really took off once. Uh, the ladies from My Favorite Murder found us and talked about us in the show that they did here in Vancouver. And instantly, overnight, our uh, downloads tripled. Wow. Uh, yeah. That would do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would do it. And, um, yeah, it's kind of been that way ever since. 
everything that has happened, like me ending up on uh, Curious Cast, was because I showed up at that event in Toronto and was talking to somebody who I had no idea, and she thought I was nice and that kind of stuff. And she emailed me two weeks later to say she was the uh, head of content development at Curious Cast and really liked what I had to say. <laughs> so, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and the same thing happened with my book. Um, it was uh, somebody who listened to podcast is a an editor at Harper Collins, and she emailed me and said, "Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And my first thought is, uh, "Who the hell are you, and why are you trolling me this way?" Feelings <laughs> <laughs> like this man. Yeah, that's not very nice. And uh, so I kind of just let it sit there in my inbox for about. I don't know, two hours or so before I actually took any action. And I emailed her back and I said, are you for real? And, uh, you know, she emailed me again and it, it's coming from harpercollins.ca. So, Gotta be okay. Legit. You know, I, I even like looked up the, the IP address and all. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God, I love it. <laughs> I got so nerdy just because I just wanted to make sure I wasn't being, uh, you know, troll because it happens, right? But yeah. no, she was the the real deal. And before you know it, I had a contract and some money and um, I'm writing a book. And that was two years ago. And I released my book on November 2nd, 2021. So Woo! congratulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well- what a wild trip. Yeah, so I got your book last weekend um, and then also got the audiobook and just listened to that all week. <laughs> so I have heard the entire thing now. I'm oh, there you say. go. Yeah. Some people say they've listened to it like two or three times and I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> it's like eight and something hours. That's, that's commitment right there. That's how much yeah. I love you, Mike. I guess so. But <laughs> I the way I wrote the book, I wanted to write it uh, in the way that uh, people familiar with the hot, the podcast would be comfortable with. So I wrote 25 bite-sized stories, essentially, that were a podcast length. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's really doing well. It's 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 so funny, Mike, because I, I, I work in the book business. I actually work for a HarperCollins competitor. And um, <laughs> the funny thing to me is that I can hear your voice so very clearly in mm-hmm. every single word and that's it's really rare and it's a gift so i just i i was so pleased to pick it up and i was like oh look it's mike's book this is so cool and then i nerded out real hard <laughs> oh, that's funny. it's it's just it, it it's a it's a really smart move on the part of what you did with the book and and the part of harper collins to see that they they understood the audience and you very clearly do so i just wanted to commend you for that because it's it's just such a great read thank you very much i'm not very good with compliments so if i (laughs) that's fair (laughs) okay we're we're, we're all anxious awkward messes too so Uh yep (laughs) yeah and that's the thing i am still an anxious awkward mess like i'm talking to you know at least two people who I've met before and worked with for a long time. And uh, six years, man. Yeah, exactly. And I'm still nervous to come on to, to do this kind of thing. So uh, Mm -hmm. maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Once I'm up my own bum a little too far. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, it keeps you humble, right? I have to go on one of these podcasts. Oh, good lord! I can't be television or radio. This is 
is okay. why we hit you early on before you're like, <laughs> yeah, you guys don't have don't get time of day for you. Yeah, I just pull a Christian bail on everybody. <laughs> why are you in my eyeline? <laughs> You don't have enough oh views God. for me to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my God. I actually have had other podcasters tell me that my show wasn't big enough to be involved in events and all that kind of what? stuff. What? Yep. yep. That's rude. Yep. And that was kind of early on. And, uh, and, and a couple of them now I'm just like, Oh yeah. I'm, so you do want, you want to come on my show now? Or? <laughs> How the tables have turned. Yeah, it's kind of a little sweet revenge, but at the same time, um, in a way, I'm kind of glad that happened because it it made me want to try to be better and and build the show on my own and and not have to rely on other folks to do it for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not their their head was in the right place with it, it worked out for me better in a way so mm-hmm. yeah yeah you put an insane amount of work in this over the last couple of years like it it's become your entire life and i you've made an amazing product so i kudos could have just stopped at that. insane like <laughs> just insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i appreciate yeah. that that's uh i try i'm trying <laughs> you know i'm working on that other podcast now with my friend Morgan we're doing one called supernatural circumstances and uh, she's a paranormal researcher out of Edmonton and uh, host on uh, paranormal 911 and haunted hospitals so uh, those yeah. are a couple of TV shows and she's super cool and just wanted to do a podcast and we had done a few things for dark poutine and she said uh will you help me get a podcast started and do you want to do it with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so that's great. Yeah, I was going to ask a... you, did you know her beforehand or is this something you connected with over the podcast network world? Yeah. I connected with her. Um, I don't know how I found her to tell you the truth. I was just looking for, I think it was paranormal people in Canada and um, just kind of started chatting with her about, it was the Amherst ghost of uh, the great, Hammerst ghost mystery I can't even remember what the name of it is but um, we started chatting about that and I thought wow she's really cool and I invited her on to Dark Poutine to help me with that show and she was great and we've been friends ever since so that's great yeah we you... met Hallie because we were playing D&D with her yep. <laughs> and that's how now, now we're here doing this so yep. the the online nerd community is amazing. There's oh, so totally. many great people out there. I have friends from gaming, like when I was playing Call of Duty, like the first one way, <laughs> way back in the day. I still have friends from there and from like Half-Life. Oh, oh wow. gosh. Wow. You know, like, yeah. like all that stuff. So the gaming community has kind of been big in my life too. Obviously, I'm still uh, attempting to play World of Warcraft. I'm not so keen <laughs> on this expansion, but whatever <laughs> it was yeah fun. well there's a ton of refugees going over to final fantasy 14 so yeah playing if you want to find a home yeah there. i mean come join us if you want <laughs> yeah final fantasy could be fun um i'm not yeah like uh, not too keen on blizzard anymore but anyway. yeah, yeah not yeah. some great stuff coming out right now that's for sure yeah so they're not getting my money anymore. Let's just say that. I still, I, I have a subscription, but I can't get any of the money back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's fair. Um, 
so yeah, I, I totally listened to that episode, the uh, Supernatural Circumstances, which I love. Um, your first episode was about the Philip experiment. Yeah. Which, um, first of all, I love that you guys are doing this kind of paranormal supernatural stories, but with such a scientific backing behind it. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. Well, that's the thing. There's all these shows with, you know, uh, I just saw something out of Japan, actually, the other day where a, a medium was uh, hanging out with JonBenet Ramsey's dad and, oh. and contacting oh, her to, to try and figure out what happened in that house. And I'm thinking, oh, no. I don't want anything to do with anything like that. No, yeah. it's icky. Yeah, in the Long Island medium, apparently, uh, I didn't see it, but somebody told me just yesterday that she had done something for 9-11 this year with uh, 9-11 uh, family, <sighs> oh or family members of victims oh. and contacting the victims, and it was all this big oh, deal no. on some TV station in the States. and It's horrendous. Like yeah. It really is. Yeah. And like, like the amount of money they make off of that stuff too is just that's yep it's super predatory and I yeah, yeah it is manipulative predatory yeah I, I always think about lily dale whenever people talk about mediums because it's i don't know if y'all are familiar but it's this town that purports to be like the haven for mediums and people like sojourn there every year mm. it's all i had an old boss who did that and she was she was an interesting person anyway she was the wife of a pastor actually and swore up and down by going to lilydale every year and i just i was like oh oh no <laughs> like they it, it's basically just a tourist trap for people who you know are sad and and grieving and it's unfortunate yeah that sounds creepy yeah, yeah. I, although I would like to go. Yeah, for... I know. <laughs> I, I want to check it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's like, um, yeah, that's it's kind of baloney. But at the same time, yeah, let's go check it out because yeah. it's kind of interesting and weird. I want to believe. I really, really do. I just have not seen evidence yet to support that. So, yeah, I'll give it a try. <laughs> like, well, I'm and curious. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's kind of the role that I play on Supernatural Circumstances. I'm just a guy who's there to learn stuff. I am, uh, I've said before, I'm about a two out of 10 on the believer scale. So, <laughs> um, and I'm like you, Kayla. I, I want to believe. I want to feel like it would be so cool if all that stuff was real and that there was something else. And I, I, I don't know, there's gotta be something, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about that Philip experiment, because I'd never heard about that before. And I don't know if you guys have, but it's basically, I think it was a group of researchers who manifested a spirit essentially by believing in it and made this story about it and talking to it and performing these rituals that it actually caused the energy in the area to almost react like a spirit. Oh, we are really fascinating. Whoa. Yeah, it's a it's a strange story. So that's kind of the the best one for us to start with because it is it really sets the tone for the show because these people admitted they created this out of mm -hmm. nothing, you know, and you know all the knocking and all that. There was all kinds of weird things that were happening in this room. Who knows if it was somebody doing it who was sitting there at the table with them. Um, it's never been proven one way or the other, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's, it's really interesting that uh, how human creativity works and what is it that we tap into when we're being creative. So that was kind of the, the approach that we took to that particular episode. And with everything, like all different hauntings, paranormal stuff, those kind of things, 
what are the here I go. What are the supernatural <laughs> circumstances around that? Hey. <laughs> yep. Plug. <laughs> totally. And like sometimes we'll find out about these places like, oh, we're haunted. This crazy stuff happened. And then you'll find out that like oh like all these people are like, oh yeah, I've seen this haunting stuff. And then they find out that the story doesn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. And there is something there to that, because you know, when you you do manifest that sort of energy uh, towards something, like you're making an experience for you and other people. So whether it's real or not, those people had some sort of encounter that changed them, which is, you know, still interesting in its own way. Yeah, exactly. And and think about Amityville, for example. That's kind of the the big one that everybody points to. Um, the DeFeo murders really did happen in that house. So um, all of that energy, the energy to even write this book, came from the fact that these uh, family, this entire family was murdered by the oldest son. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it is, it did manifest out of that, whether or not it's paranormal, supernatural, whatever, it did manifest out of those actions. So mm -hmm. it, uh, in, again, affected human creativity in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And the human mind just, we're always wanting to, we're wanting, we're wanting to, experience something magical something that we can't explain and it i think these stories speak a lot to people and how they just like i think a lot of people do want to just believe in that same way just to see something that no one's ever seen before or to have that magical feeling because so much of our world is so clearly explained these days mm -hmm. it's nice to have those kind of special experiences or things that we can't explain well, and there's lots of stuff that hasn't yet been discovered. I read an article online last night about um, this. A couple of villages in Australia have been fishing for a long time in this one particular spot. And it turns out they've been eating a species that was not yet known. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like, yes. yeah, we're eating this. This fish tastes really good. And <laughs> scientists show up in the area and they're like, what the heck is that? And they're like, oh, it's just this fish we catch. Yeah. And, uh, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, this fish has not been catalog cataloged yet in, uh, yeah, in uh, zoology. So it's kind of an important discovery that you're eating. That's amazing. Wow. Or like, well, we don't I mean, know where eels come from. Go ahead and catalog from. it. We'll just continue to eat it. There's plenty. Don't exactly. <laughs> yeah, Courtney's actually a marine biologist. Um, and so she's got this thing about eels that no one knows where they come from. No one knows where eels are made. Oh, uh, eels are creepy. Eels are, eels are not eels. good. I mean, <laughs> they're interesting for them being them, but like, they do creep me out. Yeah, my grandmother used to fish, and she would fish eels, and then oh, I'd walk into her house, and she'd be cooking eel, frying up an eel in the... No. Yeah, oh, no. Those eels and hagfish. Freshwater eels are way creepier than seawater, saltwater eels. That is my That opinion. is true. That is true. I do like, like, moray eels and wolf eels. I think wolf eels have cute old man faces. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm an ear. I'm a little old They do. Ear. They look like little old men with their little little lips. Just, I just yeah, get them them. handkerchiefs and wrap them around their heads. And... Yeah. God. Yeah. You know guys. what? You're not wrong. They, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> it actually makes me more uncomfortable, but. Uh... They're so sweet. <laughs> 
not really. When I, when I was a kid, I found an eel frozen into the grass in sort of like this time of year back in Nova Scotia. And you could see where it had crawled uh, through the grass. And I don't know why an eel would be there. Maybe like a, a hawk or something picked it up out of the water and then dropped it. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but finding an eel in the backyard was a very weird thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just like I've never. That's where eels breed. It's on land. The mystery is solved. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, your the, the second episode you guys uh, did that I listened to this morning was about the the Wendigo, which yep. I thought you guys did an amazing job at handling, especially with the cultural um, like appreciation. Just because so many people sensationalize it in a way that and base it a lot off their pop culture stuff versus. The traditional stories so i thought that was amazing i can't wait to hear the second episode of that yeah i don't know about the dsm5 but i know that it was wendigo um uh wendigo was a disorder actually mm -hmm. that they listed in the dsm4 which is really really wow. weird and if for those who don't know the dsm is the diagnostic statistical manual for uh psychiatry and psychology so I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, if somebody thinks they are Wendigo, apparently they are. Well, the mind is a very powerful thing. Right. Yeah, no, it's totally fascinating. Um, just, and like, the the uh, guy that you brought up, Steve Lewis, was it? Mm -hmm. Chad, yeah, Chad Lewis. Chad Lewis, yeah. Yeah. Just so knowledgeable about the topic. It was really awesome to hear something so respectful in that way. Yeah, and that's the thing, and we always want to make sure that if we're talking about something from someone else's culture, we're not just, uh, you know, whitewashing it, for want of a better word. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we want to ensure that we are being respectful and, and sourcing things from, uh, especially in this case, like Indigenous communities, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a long time, a long myth that they have had, uh, in indigenous culture about the Wendigo, which is, you know, it, it shows up when people are hungry and they mm -hmm. then begin to eat each other, which is horrendous. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a, a big one in the, in the culture. So I do. Yeah. Thank you for doing such a respectful job of that. I, I, I'm a white person, so I can't really say that, but I, I thought it was really <laughs> respectful. <laughs> Yeah, it. You never know who you're talking to or what uh, what community that you're having an impact on. And I kind of learned that when I was working at that telecom and answering phones. Mm. Um, you, I I learned when I was 36 um, that uh, my birth family had Jewish heritage, and so that kind of was like I didn't know that I don't look like what I thought a Jewish person would look like and all that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what that's supposed to be, but that was my own <laughs> ignorance. Um, but at the same time, it made me a little more sensitive to things. I don't necessarily get offended, but I'm, I'm more sensitive to uh, that kind of talk that some people have misunderstanding about that culture because now I've learned a lot about it, obviously, mm -hmm. if I know my birth mom. And uh, I had a fella call in one time uh, to that particular telecom and tell me how the Jews were 
uh, ruining the telecom industry and uh, <laughs> stealing his money by jacking up the prices and all that. <laughs> oh what? Yeah. Wow. And, and, yeah, you never know who you're talking to, right? I just, <laughs> I just helped the guy like I was supposed to help. Oh yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Those kind of things and just moved I forward. I would have up. With have you tried turning it off and on again? But uh, <laughs> yeah. So and that's the thing. Like, I don't know if someone from a particular culture or, uh, um religion country anything is gonna listen to the show so if we're going to cover something that is outside of our own experience we better make sure that we cover it in a way that's respectful for sure totally and that's something that your show both shows have done really well because you're you talk so much about the victims and appreciating the victims and the survivors and such that like it's you don't sensationalize all the gory details you you like are very respectful with all of that and the people's family and anything that else that might be still impactful when you're discussing those cases mm-hmm. and i guess really you know it's a really um big aspect of your show that does differentiate you a lot from other crime shows which i really appreciate yeah oh, i appreciate that because that is important to me that uh we don't do any more harm than these people have already had i mean so Sometimes there are people who hear it who are related to a particular case who, who don't like that we've done the show because uh, it's something that maybe they didn't want to hear about again. So mm. I tend yeah. to look for um, people, the family's reactions to uh, a particular case before I even decide to do it. If a family mm-hmm. is like, let's talk about, they want to talk about this, they want to make sure that people know who uh, the perpetrator is and to hear the story, if that is predominant in the news coverage, I will tend to do that. But there's been a couple of stories who people have said, hey, will you do this story? And I will not because uh, a family member from that, uh, from related to that case has said, I never want to hear about this again. So I just, I just won't cover it. Yeah, it's a really good way to do that for sure. Because yeah, sometimes it's just too painful. It's too fresh. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't see from the outside of what happens within the courtroom on evidence that we may not ever know about. So it's easy for us to make jump to assumptions about what actually happened in certain cases. And just sometimes it's just, that's not the case at all. And the people that are involved just don't want to get involved with it anymore. Yeah. And if I'm contacted by somebody who's involved with a case prior to my doing it, that's even better. Um, mm-hmm. Most recently, I've been uh, chatting with somebody who's involved, a family member of Cindy Marie Young, who is uh, an Indigenous woman. She was 20, who went missing, it's like 20 years ago now, in on Vancouver Island in Nanaimo. And uh, they have found the person who was last seen with her, and he's now living in Turkey, strangely enough. He doesn't hmm. want to live in Canada for some reason, and <laughs> he's he's refusing to talk to police. So interesting mm. uh you know i if i can point uh the Bring attention to it yeah exactly uh-huh. if i can point people to to that case and and have more people talking about it maybe that puts pressure on that guy to whose name is christopher william adair by the way <laughs> um maybe it puts pressure on that guy to come forward and talk and i'm not saying he is a murderer i can, i'm not saying that because the court hasn't said that 
what I'm saying is that he is the last known person to have seen that person, that person, Cindy Marie Young. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, you, have to you, be... you have a responsibility to, you know, tell people what you know, talk to police about it instead of running mm-hmm. away to another country. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and that's another thing when you're covering crime is to be super careful of, you know, calling somebody out or well, how you treat somebody who is even all evidence points to this particular person for having done that. But if the court has not said that that person has done that, you cannot say that. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. it is illegal for you to say that and you can be sued into yeah. the Stone Age. For sure, definitely. Uh, yeah, you always want to make sure you know all your facts and do not make uh, declarations against other people's characters if you do not have right. yep. proof. <laughs> yeah, And understand yeah, the, the bias in any reporting, you know, that happens because you're getting it third, oh, fourth cool. hand and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. Um, when, especially when I'm covering older stories, I've worked I'm working on one that we're going to record tomorrow, and it it happens around the turn of the 20th century, so it's quite an old story. But um, the bias in the media at the time, when talking about the people who were involved, it's really tough to sort through what the facts are. Um, mm-hmm. Especially at that time, people didn't have the journalistic integrity, perhaps that they do today. <laughs> Um, they were just like, well, that person was, um, you know, killed 13 elephants with their bare hands. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't think (laughs) that actually happened. So am I going to put that in my podcast? Maybe I'll put that in my podcast as, oh, here's an example of the hyperbole around this individual, but, uh, (laughs) but I won't say, and they killed 13 elephants with their bare hands because that doesn't make it fact. That just makes it. You know, that's something I said. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, there's a story that's kind of being gone to trial, like right now. A friend of mine turned me on to in Massachusetts, uh, with the uh, the woman is Julia Enright. Um, two years ago, she killed her ex-boyfriend. Well, allegedly, mm-hmm. um, they still haven't called a. They haven't uh, finalized the charges or anything yet. But sure. um, one thing that's really interesting about reading up about this case is um, she was for, she was in Ashburnham, which is a very small town in um, Massachusetts, and she was like alternative, like goth, and um, she was also a dominatrix on the side. But so every article you read about what happened immediately is like the dominatrix kills ex-boyfriend mm. and it's just all about this you know lifestyle that she has it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the murder and like oh the, we found animal bones in her bedroom or whatever she's assembling skeletons it's like i've got a box with my dead cat's remains in the other room that doesn't make me a serial yeah. killer like you we, we still see that in media sometimes especially with women oh, yeah. um or you know minorities that this that bias and then they'll look for anything like oh yeah well obviously she was a murderer or she wore black lipstick so <laughs> I just, it yeah. just drives me crazy that that's still a thing it's exactly the same thing that happened to damien eccles in the west memphis three case i mean mm-hmm. that guy was a goth you know right. painted his fingernails black and had black hair and um you know listened to heavy metal music and oh my gosh he must be a murderer too so yeah. you know he killed three little boys, apparently. And that guy, you know, he, he went to jail for a mm-hmm. long time yeah. for that. He had, like, he was, uh, you know, facing some not so good things. 
not so yeah. good outcomes, you know? And uh, uh, eventually it was proven that they didn't do it, even though they had to take an Alfred plea, he and the other two gentlemen who were accused. Mm. Uh, and an Alfred plea is, yeah, we did it, but we didn't do it kind of thing. So it's yeah. like, we, we have to admit it uh, just so we can be released from jail. And that also Which lets the bullshit but yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the prosecutors off the case too you know so well we don't have to look for anybody anybody else we spent all this money on uh, court and appeals and all this kind of stuff now this it's solved because they did that alfred play it's really mm -hmm. disgusting yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeez. yeah it brings it to the whole question of like how responsible is the state for how prisons impact people we often see people come out of prisons mm -hmm. who maybe weren't even criminals who become criminals because of the like life experience within the prison like it's you're, you're forced to do things you wouldn't do in a normal circumstance right, mm -hmm. right. Uh, yeah look at donald marshall he was an indigenous man who was convicted and spent 11 years in jail uh for a murder that happened in cape breton in the 70s and uh it later turned out that it was an old man actually who had stabbed uh this young fella who died in the park and um marshall and this other young fellow were harassing this old guy, but he stabbed uh, Sandy Seal and then took off. Marshall uh, was the last person to have been seen with Sandy Seal, so he's convicted. Uh, spends 11 years in jail, comes out, and was not a good person after that. Did a lot of not-so-good things. But before he went in, he was the son of the Mi'kmaq chief um, in the area, and in line to become the next chief of the Mi'kmaq band, oh, no. um, you know, and it, his going to prison, his having to exist in that environment really messed him up. I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, maybe he wouldn't have ended up doing those things anyway, but they definitely informed his behavior from that moment forward. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the first cases that I really became interested in because one of my first girlfriends, her dad was the, uh, RCMP officer Harry Wheaton, who uh, was instrumental in freeing Donald Marshall at the time. So, um, yeah, Justice Denied is the book. I can't remember who wrote it, but uh, that was kind of another one of those things that turned me on to true crime because it was somebody, uh, a person I knew, Harry Wheaton, we used to go boating with them. And so I knew who this person was, and he was involved in this really interesting thing, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's right. That's, that's a definitely a good um, example of that situation. Just we would never know. And the thing is, like, especially even even in Canada, our accessibility and services available for mental health are just so limited. Unless you are attacking yourself or harming yourself, it's almost impossible to get regular mental health, or especially if you don't have the money. So it's like you we have these people put in prison for eleven years, mm -hmm. and then we just let them out. And like we don't provide them any mental health or coaching or anything because for the fact that you know we did that to them yeah. yeah it's just yeah it's brutal well and the way that the prison system works is it just is keeping people away from other people for periods of time it's not really a reform it's not really it's just punishment and it doesn't actually help anyone <laughs> there's no attempt at rehabilitation yeah right yeah, i exactly. mean like but there may be some things that you you really can't rehabilitate but that's also kind of because we haven't really tried i think uh with certain oh, people yeah. um 
but yeah like just locking someone up in a room guilty or not is gonna fuck them up pretty yeah. hard yeah yeah i'm okay with paul bernardo being locked up. i'm okay with Paul. <laughs> yeah like, there are exceptions to yeah. this rule for sure but the kid with the joint doesn't need to be in prison. Yeah. We don't do that in Canada anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like yeah. also, you know, people who are being released from prison who may still be functional, functional, come out and be functional parts of society are now have that tag on them. And a lot of businesses right. aren't going to hire yeah. them for jobs as well. Jobs, right? like, voting. The whole yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, and it's... even if you get released uh, an Alfred plea that's still on your record that you went to prison mm-hmm. yeah yep. so, I don't yeah. understand the voting thing from the states like, I'm so really... sorry I don't either <laughs> like that that yeah. is such a systemically racist yep. thing it, it is horrendous it's it's like oh well we don't want those people those people voting, so. that's what it yeah. is yeah that's let's, so let's... and Oh, sorry, Court. Go ahead. White, if you're white, you can get around that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Guess, that's like yeah. I know people. Like if you're white, you can get around uh, it. If you have enough money, you can get around it. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna it, say if you're OJ, uh, you can get around it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can you know. Oh my gosh. I, I grew up um I grew up very close to the uh Mansfield Reformatory in Ohio, which is where they filmed part of Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. And um it's a, it was a proper reformatory at the time when it was operating through turn of the century through the I think forties and fifties. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that horrendous things didn't happen there because most certainly did, um, but they actually paid prisoners to create things and came out with skills so there were a lot of woodworkers there were a lot of people who were able to get um, mansfield used to be a a factory town it was where gm had a plant and they could go and and actually earn a living and and get some sense of normalcy back when they were released and it's just uh and again i i know that's like the broadish broadest brush possible but i remember going on the tour and hearing that from these tour guides and they were talking about um the folks who had who had been locked up there and i actually just discovered i nathan it might be interesting to you because you'd been talking about alcatraz in one of our earlier episodes there was a man who um found uh that he really liked gardening he became the gardener of alcatraz when he was oh. uh, sentenced there. Yeah. So it's it, it's an interesting um, kind of like sidewind to what we're talking about that I find so fascinating. And I'm like, why the devil aren't we trying to help people? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just it's just gross all around. Well, it costs money to help people. Heaven it's forbid. It's all run by corporations right. now who are just. Oh, the right. private prison system is just gross. Yeah. Just beyond yeah. gross. Yeah. yeah. So. That actually brings up a thing that I was reading recently. There was an article, I can't remember, uh, but somewhere in the States, uh, there was a prison that basically said to their their governing state, well, we're going to have to shut down this prison unless you give us, unless you fill 300 more beds. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah. whoa. Yep. Wait a second. That's yeah. not how this works. Prisoners did not operate on God. Right? Or, or like you'll export prisoners from one state to another state mm-hmm. to serve their time because quotas. The story is, oh, you know, they have better facilities, more facilities, but it's really just about money. Yep. 
That happens a lot in Alaska. It's so gross. It's so gross. Oh, my God. Alaska. I want to go to Alaska. I want to drive. It's beautiful. Yeah. I grew up in Alaska, so. Oh, well, whereabouts? Uh, near Anchorage, Alaska, in the okay. South Central area. Um, grew up where Sarah Palin was mayor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. she can see Russia from her house. <laughs> yeah, no, she can't. She can't mm-hmm. see the road from her house. Yeah. Um, yeah. She can't. She doesn't even the live there anymore, the thankfully. <laughs> All of them are gone. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah. Well, that's fun. I I just you know I like the whole up north idea. I guess I've got sort of a romantic idea, but I know it's just another city that's northern. So yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> I mean, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I I I really enjoyed growing up there. Um, there's beautiful stuff. I'm actually probably going to take my brother-in-law out there next year, um, before my parents move, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but yeah. What I'd, what I'd really like to do is take the, there's uh, cruises that go from Vancouver all the way up, you know, through the inside passage up to Alaska. That would be a beautiful ride. Yeah. I, I want to do that. Cause I haven't been to so much of Alaska. Like I haven't been to most of the Western part most of the eastern part um <laughs> it's a big place um like i'm menorah state capital no one goes to the state capital so i have a question for you guys what uh we'll start with nathan what's the favorite thing that you guys have covered on this show <laughs> oh boy i think we just did our year in review <laughs> yeah. yeah um without you know mowing that same lawn (laughs) (laughs) that's always that's always a tough question um but i think i love i love a good like conspiracy theory or romp through like weird um like weird places uh Hmm. when when you mentioned like haunted hospital i was like i'm in that's yeah. that's my jam. I'm in there. Like if I if you want me to go in with like a flashlight and and go check it out for myself, I'll tell you what happened. Um, Nathan's but... the guy that would die in a horror movie, by the way. Oh, <laughs> oh, hundred yeah. percent. What's behind this door? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, that's totally me. Um, but I think one of the one of the funnest things uh, that I that I did was the. Wow, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Om's Hat. Oh, Om's okay. Hat. Well, that's a recent one. Yeah. Um, it you know about this little settlement out in uh, out in Jersey that turned into like this little cult settlement about uh, interdimensional sciences, basically. Oh, fantastic! That sounds like fun. Let's. <laughs> let's all travel interdimensionally (laughs) the the great part about it was that like it was all it was considered like one of the original memes um Mm. it was all done on paper through pamphlets before the internet and then eventually these guys were like well we're going to continue this and put all of their stuff online when they could but it started this weird cult following of people just going out into this wooded area in Jersey, trying to figure out, you know, what What actually happened happened. here. (laughs) But the, 
It was um, all made up. There was nothing there. It was, yeah, it was all made up. There was really nothing there. There was like a, there was a small like homestead there, uh, which was probably the only true thing about the whole setup. But you know, there was nothing there because apparently all of these uh, scientists and whatnot escaped to this alternate dimension, Earth, and oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, what a great <laughs> excuse. Not to <laughs> right? There yeah. are so many stories like that out there. Uh, I remember I used to listen to Art Bell's radio show years and years ago when I was driving for a security company. I had, used to have to drive around and uh, rattle doors at night. And to keep myself entertained, I listened to Art Bell's show. And I remember this story about a thing called Mel's Hole. Um I don't know if you guys have covered that or not, but... We haven't. It sounds familiar, though. Yeah, Mel's Hole, essentially, there's this guy named Mel, and there was this big hole that was apparently bottomless on his property. And people <laughs> oh would God. just bring things and throw them into Mel's Hole. <laughs> like cars and you know, refrigerators. And, what? and there was... You know, you you would hear it bumping going down, but you would never hear it hit the bottom oh and all that God. kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating story, and uh, for lack of a better term, it's a rabbit hole that uh, <laughs> you can travel down <laughs> on the internet. But yeah, yes. look up Mel's Hole if you guys want to have an interesting time. I just, um, I just feel like random trash down a hole is a good way to piss off some kind of eldritch yep uh, like yeah. cool big hole or not like let's just leave it be that or cthulhu's got one hell of a junkyard by now i don't know that's exactly what i was gonna say is yeah love crafting down there just like, like, what, is this, what is this toilet that fell on my head you <laughs> Just like trying to understand school. humanity from the uh, Yeah. <laughs> like the it's like worst time. Kid falls asleep in class and you start stacking stuff on and around them. Oh my god. Yeah. This is exactly <laughs> that. I've done this. Oh yeah. I, I that may or may not have happened to me numerous times when I was drunk. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's great. No, all uh, I can think about is Cthulhu's Junkyard. <laughs> it's like firmly stuck in my head now. What a name for a podcast, though, Cthulhu's Junkyard. Right? Yeah, or like a graphic novel series. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is Coca-Cola? <laughs> yeah, I guess, Holly, what was your favorite topic? Oh, God. You know, I was trying to reflect on that, and I was like, ah. Uh... Uh, do I pick the one that makes me angry or do I yes. pick the one that, okay, no. <laughs> I live pick on rage. That... Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Teal Swan. And I think that, you know, Nathan and, and Kayla most definitely experienced my anger when we were talking about her. Cause she's such a horrible human being. Um, she's a cult leader essentially. And um, you, she's done, she's smart. Like a lot of them are. And has distanced herself appropriately or however you would like to phrase that to make sure that her own hands don't get sullied. Um, but when we were doing our year roundup, I was like, oh, I got I got a teal swan update. Hold on. Let me get let me get into this because 
She is just a she's just a a really really good grifter, and she bilks people out of all, you know all this money to train them to feel the energies of the earth and and, and all of these things. And and what it is is she's a, a pretty younger white woman who. Um, has a very strange way of talking. She reminds me a little bit of uh, Elizabeth Holmes mm-hmm. from oh. the Theranos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, has a very, very energy. What is it? Kind of a <laughs> kind of a thing going on. It's just, oh, I want to throw her out her window so bad. Um, but she's she's done some. She's led some like Facebook groups that have gotten shut down and everything. And but before they were by shut down. By encouraging people to. By encouraging people. their own suicide. Yep, yep. That people would post in desperation, going back oh, to yeah. talking about mental health, in desperation saying, I need help. Teal, won't you help me? I, I feel like I don't want to be here. And the moderators of her group, of course, it was never her, the moderators of these Facebook groups would go, well, you know what? If you don't want to be here, then just don't be here. And I was like, what? Excuse yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's horrific. It's horrific. She's, She's horrible. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, cult leaders are fun. They're, really... <laughs> They're oh yeah. my god, yeah. That's uh, why you look at enough of them, you start seeing all these patterns. Like it's yep. all exactly the same. It's the same. Yep, yeah. yep, it is, and it usually involves. Uh, if there's a male at the top, the tippy top, it usually involves his ding dong. So, yep. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, if you want to, there's the cult education network. Um, oh. which is um, run by a guy named Rick Allen Ross and not oh, Rick Ross, the rapper. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> not Rick the Allen rapper. <laughs> I love that guy. I got to talk to Rick Allen Ross on Alan Warren's uh, um, House of Mystery radio show, and he is a super interesting and accessible guy. Um, he's amazing. got a really, really big database on his cult education network um, site, so if you ever want to have maybe a guest on your show, um, I would reach out to him. If you're talking about a specific cult, check if he's looked into it, and he probably has. Oh, wow. But he Holy is crap, a super yeah. fascinating guy. Wow. So Yeah, I've read a lot, bunch of his stuff on Nixium and stuff. Uh, yep. he's, he's very, very intelligent. He's probably like the foremost researcher in like rehabilitation and deprogramming because it's such a complicated thing when it comes to cults. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, yeah he'd, he'd be amazing to talk to. He yeah, he helped me, uh, uh, you know, unknowing to him. He helped me with <laughs> with informing me for the, the madness of crowds portion of my book, which is all. Ah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Courtney, what yeah. what was that word that you, did you call it a micro cult? Is that what we were talking about? <laughs> yeah. Sweet. We, were, we were talking about cults of like with like one or mm-hmm. like small numbers of followers. We started calling them micro cults the other day. Yeah, there's definitely a bunch of those. And I did talk about one or two of those in my book. So, um, yeah, especially uh, I'm just rifling through my book here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The Ripper Crew was probably Uh one. Yeah, that was interesting. And Children of Thunder is another one. Uh, But, yeah, it doesn't have to be a large bunch of people. Um, It can just be two or three folks with a leader who mm-hmm, yeah. essentially convinces them all to do something really horrific and dumb. Jeez. Which comes around to one of my favorite stories that I've done. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Final Fantasy VII house, Mike, at all. <laughs> no. No, but okay. that's okay. I will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it kind of originally started out as a story online of somebody who talked about having escaped from this situation where there was this woman and her partner that were basically telling people that they were Final Fantasy characters in another life. And there was a lot of role playing and stuff. Um, and he ended up living with them for a short period in which like they took complete advantage of him. Um, he had no money. He was a vegetarian, but they only insisted on eating meat, all sorts of stuff. It was very abusive behavior. It's really hard to sum up really quickly. Um, this woman who was leading the group is name her name is Jennifer Cornette. And this happened in 2001. Um, and she's gone on and been doing it ever since. She meets people online, she gets them involved with the role playing and stuff, and then starts, you know, trying to tell them that they're all special, that they were these other characters. Often these people are uh, questioning their gender or their sexuality, and there are already in bad situations. So they're just looking for that sort of approval connection. Mm -hmm. And she ends up eventually convincing them to come live with her. Upon moving in, they then end up getting abused and have all their, they're just slowly just broken down until there's nothing left. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it was originally started off as internet legend that kind of got posted in 2005. And it was a story that I always found really interesting. And then I ended up finding out it's all true. <laughs> wow. and i ended up so our, one of our first guests on the show was icarus he was the one who wrote the original journal entry and we've had a couple of them on and cool. this has become a really important story for me because i've been finding the survivors i'm piecing it all together and you know giving them an opportunity to tell their story because some people on the internet are like you're so dumb why would you believe that you're a housing character yeah. so people were just like I don't, I don't understand how this happens so that's it's something that i've been doing a bunch um as part of the show so we've had four guests on the show now in regards to it and uh just really incredibly powering stories of like how they dealt with this had happened how they got out and often the things that led up to it like all of them were in situations where they had like abusive childhoods or abusive home lives that they had to escape from and that's kind of how she sucked them in and we don't know what she's doing today and that's part of the research i trying to figure out what happened to her because there's a good chance she's still out there the last time we, we know that she did something was in 2015 hmm yeah yes. she could be doing it under another name now too and another fandom and stuff just like yeah. she targets young people like most people who are aware of the story wouldn't even know wouldn't be in the fandoms that she most likely is targeting mm -hmm. so it's scary because there could be a whole new generation of people that she's targeting that have no idea about her yeah it's it's strange that you know uh, i guess people get into a community and you know you you play a game you you talk to people about nerdy things and you end up trusting people. It's mm -hmm. just kind of the way totally. it is. And before you know it, they're your friend on Facebook and you're chatting with them and maybe they invite you uh, to their, their place. Come hang out with me for a weekend kind of thing. Right. And they're not mm -hmm. who they turned out to be. Right. You know, you they, they've catfished you for, you know, months before something yeah. happens. Yeah. And you're like talking to them a couple hours a day kind of thing. Like at that point you feel mm -hmm. like, you know, somebody, yep. which, it can be easy to not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, I'm sure there's a, a book or a movie in there somewhere. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. And like we've, you know, coerced Tally to come down in February. And so that's when she's going to find out that we've been catfishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that face that you see of Nathan's is not actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's it. That's it. Is your birthday even in February, Nathan? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. They will heavily question you at the border about that, though. That happened to me when I came to meet my husband for the first time because oh. I met him through friends online and we were going camping. 
Mm-hmm. And the border guard was like, are you sure that yeah. you want to go camping in a foreign country to a place you've never been with people you've never actually met with in yeah. physical space? Oh. And I was like, well, <laughs> my mom knows where I'm at. <laughs> now that you mention it no i've traveled all this way and spent all this money thank you i'm I'll like turn around. yeah <laughs> i was like i was like i've only been listening to true crime the entire way here i think i can handle this yeah. <laughs> i'm ready what have they got it all worked out it was fine so yeah. if you guys why why do you guys listen to true crime what is it that uh Turn, turned you on to true crime. I shouldn't say that, but what interests you <laughs> about true crime? Um, I, I use it as like a survival mechanism mm-hmm. because I, uh, well, and I wanted to be a forensic scientist for a long time, but I've always loved like law and order and CIS. And then I was going to be a forensic scientist. And then now it's more of like a, what are all the things you should look for? And yep. ways that you can get out of bad situations, especially growing up in Alaska, where we have um, a lot of serial killers and murders and people going missing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it. I'm I'm finding that is an answer more and more, um, especially uh, among the women who listen to my show, or you know, people who identify as female who listen to our show. Um, it's really uh, sort of disturbing to me that um all these uh people think have these feelings of fear around maybe this is going to happen to me one day and and how do i how do i keep myself safe i listen to true crime been in two dangerous situations Mm -hmm. that um i think because i kind of was paying more attention i was able to get out of them so they weren't so dangerous right um and i've i've had a couple like dating situations and relationships that if I hadn't been a crime junkie that I probably would not have like you know stood up and been like no this is not okay I will end up in a body bag one day um so I think that it it really does help um sadly um to to help keep people safe but yeah it's you know it's a scary thing sometimes I did have my own my own experiences with that kind of thing that is partially what informed me into getting into true crime when I was 11. Um, I've talked about it on the show in episode 10 of Dark Poutine that uh, when I was 11 years old, almost 12, a man tried to abduct me uh, when I was walking home. So um, being having had that experience, I kind of wanted to know what made a monster tick you know after yeah. that. so that's really why i stuck with it and um so i do tend to try to approach the stories that i do in a in from that perspective like okay i've been through this like the the week after that happened to me clifford olson was caught here in british columbia and he had been doing things to people around my age uh that this guy might have wanted to do to me. And so I really became interested in that case. I was obsessed with it. So yeah, um, the first, one of the first episodes that I really wanted to do was to cover Clifford Olson because I'm, I live in his stomping grounds now, but uh, uh, it's, it's just, you know, interesting how 
certain things throughout your life that happen to you connect you to something and you can react one way or the other. Um, I mean, I went into alcoholism and drug addiction for a long time and uh, it wasn't until I kind of came out the other side of that, that I realized that I could turn my dark stuff into a positive for myself and maybe somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, I'm like, I'm so proud of you for sharing that story and talking about that. Cause it's something that's really difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever been a target for somebody or in a situation like that, it's, it, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed by shame and mm-hmm. just embarrassment that you just don't want to talk about it. But I think for sure it's probably helped a lot of people. Yeah. And like, I had this thing where I blamed myself for it happening for years and years. It was my fault that I was there. I mean, it was late at night. I could have called mom for a drive home, like all of these things that I just beat myself up for, for years and years. But what about all those hundreds of other times where I walked home safely? Yeah. You know, I was not the problem in the situation. The problem was that predator who saw me as an opportunity to do something. So, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's part of like where my interest in true crime comes from as well. Um, like similar to Courtney, I was interested in forensics as well when I was, I was all about CSI. That was my jam growing up. Um, but yeah, with them processing my own trauma and stuff later, uh, relationships I've ended up having with people, it yeah, it just really helps me process that trauma hearing other people's stories. And like Courtney said, there's that part of your aspect that's like, self-defense trying to you know okay what should i pay attention for but yeah just people's stories of survival or even like in the situations where people unfortunately don't make it it's just sharing those stories can help people like not just you know the people that are potential victims but also um like cops and investigators and other other people just to try and help find people yeah just the more we talk about it the more aware people are and just so many people like to turn away from the dark stuff and not think about it. But if we're aware, we can protect ourselves. I feel and really help other people. Yeah, totally. I feel really pro- uh, protective of people who are in those situations. If I see somebody who may or may not be in a dangerous situation, I have to, to do something about it. I have to, I have to talk about it in some way. So yeah, um, yeah. it's come up Absolutely. a few times. Yeah. It's come up a few times where I've just like, I felt compelled to say, no, this is what happened. This person did this and it wasn't cool. So um, it's, it's a really kind of a weird thing. Once you've been through it yourself, you, you understand, even if it seems like a small thing, it's not to the person mm-hmm. that it's happening, happening to like mm-hmm. that. The saying to somebody, it could have been worse is probably the crappiest thing you could ever say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For oh, sure. Well, it, it, it could have been worse. Oh, could it? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, thanks for that. Yeah. Thank that that's for so that. helpful. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I should just go feel better now. Thanks yeah. for all of that. <laughs> right. Thanks for your assistance. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll now not have PTSD and nightmares and all those things. That's all I needed to hear. It could have yeah. been worse. It could have yeah. been worse. And, and that's what people told me in my situation. It could have been worse. God. That's what I told Especially myself. at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah. Like, it would have, yeah, it would have been really difficult to get appropriate help at that time. I, I, mean, yep, I can't it, imagine struggling with that when you're like 12 years old. 
back around the turn of the century when it happened to you. Uh, yeah, no, it, it really, it was not a common thing that people talked about. It wasn't, it didn't even make the news. Today, if uh, a kid is, somebody attempts to abduct a child in a neighborhood, that's going to be news. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all over the place. It's going it's to be on the radio, TV, whatever. But it was nothing. There wasn't even a blip about it. Oh, you know, yeah. like it wasn't important to anybody. It could have been worse. Yeah. yeah. We as a society are much more aware these days, thankfully. And, we, and they do try and talk about that stuff more, not nearly as enough as they should, especially when it comes to minorities. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's, and this, I do think we are becoming a lot more empathetic towards these situations and aware of the impacts of trauma. And it's not as simple as like, yeah, you're not really hurt if someone didn't actually physically hurt you kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, re- I'm reading a book right now called The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. Um, it's so good. Like, it is so good. I've got the audio book and a paper copy and an ebook. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, being a book nerd, I have to have them in all forms and formats. But, um, but that that talks about that and how, you know, an event that you think you're beyond can actually inform your behavior, the way you deal with things for years afterward. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. if, totally. if it's not put in the right place and you haven't gotten help with it. And I've had to seek a lot of help for the issues that I've been through for sure. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by no means am I a, a picture of mental health today, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still I still have my issues. I still have those mornings where it's just like, okay, the bed is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to just stay in bed today and the rest of the world can leave me alone, please. But, um, but getting help is probably the best thing that anybody who has been through something can do. Just Absolutely. talk to somebody about it. Yeah. yeah. You need to externalize it. You need to get out of there. You just are mm-hmm. just going to fester inside of you and just keep eating away. Yep. And like, I think you saying the fact that like, you're like, you know, I'm not a picture of perfect health and stuff does show though, like, um your progress in your own mental health care that you are aware that there's stuff that you're going through that is happening <laughs> to you that isn't you know you you it's the mental health issues and that you're yeah. able to like process right. them and deal with them a lot better like those none of us are born with these tools for dealing with this stuff which is why it's so mm-hmm, important exactly. to seek out help and it's a journey yeah, yeah mm-hmm. totally it is it's like when you're an adult you're spending your entire adult life untangling the mess that you get into the ideas that you held on to since you were a kid right okay yeah. yeah i have i have this idea that this is the way things are and then when i'm 50 years old now i learn like oh my god i was thinking about this in the wrong way the whole time <laughs> oops it's never ending journey <laughs> yeah moving forward <laughs> um one thing i did want to talk about was one of your stories that you did early on about uh lisa lamb mm-hmm. um since we're talking about mental health i think that was the way that you approached that was really really good just because so many people like go to the sensational thing of like oh was there a ghost or was she being chased or whatever yeah um when you know looking at the actual facts and her mental health history we do know that she did suffer some from severe issues with her mental health and she may not have been taking her medication yeah um just yeah the way that you handled that like was so good and i've seen so many stuff since then it's just like where that's just like a footnote right <laughs> right it, it's it's like that isn't the footnote that's what happened this, exactly. this poor girl you know yeah. like um 
I've refused to watch the Netflix documentary on it um, yeah. mm -hmm. because I've had people tell me that I'll just want to scream at my television because they do that weird sensationalizing and all that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm just not interested. Yeah. I watched I, it just cause I was curious about the same thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I think it's four episodes or something. And it's like in the last 20 minutes, they talk about our mental health a little bit. Jeez. It's like, here's all the theories. And like, well, you know, but it was probably this, but it's like such a, like I said, footnote. <laughs> People are just, yeah. they're only going to remember the sensational stuff. I mean, I had, when I had issues with, um, uh, okay. When I was, I think I was 21, I ended up in the hospital with the door handles on the other side of the door after, uh, I had a psychotic break thanks to overuse of some psychedelic drugs along with psychiatric drugs and booze and some other things. So, um, it's a good combo. It, yeah, exactly. I I started thinking that I could control baseball games that were on television and all that kind of crazy thing. Amazing. And, and it was because I had driven myself into a psychosis thanks to my drug use. Um, so I uh, ended up being uh, noticing that something was really wrong and, and asked my parents for help. They took me to the hospital and the doctor asked me if I wanted to stay for a while. <laughs> and uh, I said yes. And he later told me whether or not you would have said yes. You're probably going to stay anyway. But uh, but yeah, it was like coming out of that kind of darkness. Like I was thinking and doing things like I don't remember five days of my life. They're just gone. Wow. So it that's why I approached her story from that way. Mm -hmm. Not saying that I climbed into a water tank on top of the Cecil and drowned myself, <laughs> but um, I was in that space where that potentially could have happened to me had there been a set of circumstances that uh, would have set me up for that. Right. So yeah, totally. You know, like, and and that was that was out of my control. It wasn't something that um, I wanted to do, or I mean, I did it to or myself. Or intended to do. Yeah. Yeah. I did it to myself by ingesting the things that I did, but at the same time, it was, uh, it is a very scary thing to have five days of your life just missing in time. Just yeah. like, what happened in those days? Well, there were no murders in my hometown, so I know I didn't do anything <laughs> like really crazy, but I'm pretty certain that it wasn't, uh, I wasn't up to healthy things. If you know were, you, I mean. were you living at yeah. home at the time? Or by yourself? Uh, I was, uh, let's just say I was couch surfing at the time. Oh, okay. I, mm -hmm. I tended to do a lot of that when I was uh, in my drug use. And mm. um, I was uh, I was sort of living at a girlfriend's place. My parents hadn't really seen me. They, were, they held my bedroom for me. I would come crash there sometimes, but I was usually out doing all kinds of crazy things. But so I have a little bit of a past <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was... Um, it was really, really crazy that, uh, you know, I showed up six o'clock in the morning in my parents' home. It was actually this time of year. And so it's dark, really pitch dark. And I'm saying, I really need help standing at the foot of their bed, you know, wake <laughs> them up. Here's their creepy son who they haven't seen in a long time. And yeah. But at least you had the, you know, wherewithal to go to them for help. Well, mm -hmm. I, I did because I was scared. I was, you know, yeah. I was terrified. Like, what the heck is happening to me? Like, things are not right. 
yeah and it's you you don't think logically in a state like that at all you're just you you're looking back at a situation what you can remember it's like why would i even think that like what yeah. was going through my head that this was yep. the idea that i came to yeah but, it's really crazy so um there's a lot of stigma around mental health we've recently covered vince uh vince lee on my uh show the guy who murdered tim mclean on the greyhound bus outside yep. mm -hmm. of Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. and there is so much hate pointed toward vince lee who was in a state of psychosis at the time like he was not capable of understanding what he did mm -hmm. and people are still throw the you throw him in jail uh don't allow him out to wander the streets ever again because what happens if he stops taking his medication i mean this guy himself says i am terrified to stop taking my medication but people are mm -hmm. saying well he will he probably will so lock him up forever um no people with mental health issues can have a productive life right. if they are on the right medication or they get the the right help or mm -hmm. if they don't do the drugs that made them do, right. <laughs> end up in the way that they did in the first place but yeah you know. and like imprisoning someone with mental health is not going to help them at all no, no. Mm -mm. you're just going to aggravate the situation it's like it's, it's very clear when people have had no experience with mental health it's just that they just it's like oh well you, you know you're still you you made that decision and it's like that's not how it works sometimes it's just when you're just that you've had that break there's there's nothing you can do and a large amount autopilot. a large amount of people who are in the prison system have had some form of trauma perpetrated against them yes. at some mm -hmm. point in their lives and so we paint them as a monster uh, when they are actually a hurt person who's hurting people i'm not saying that they shouldn't be put away until they can get things sorted out but mm -hmm. again we we're back to that what we talked about near the beginning of the show is there's no rehabilitation happening they aren't mm -hmm. getting the help they're sure they can go to like a 12-step meeting in there those are free, so that's mm -hmm. great. People from outside come into the prison and put those on. There is a social worker for every single person that's there, but that social worker probably has a hundred clients. Right. Yeah. You know, Easily. It's, it's, yeah. So there's not the focus that is really needed to help people to overcome the things that they uh, that led them to behave in the way that they did. So housing them yeah. for now is the best thing that we can do until we can figure yeah. out how we can how we can overcome that yep. but mm -hmm. we should for be sure. thinking about it yeah for sure like how many you know crimes and events could we have maybe pre potentially prevented by well preventative mental health care mm -hmm. right. and like dealing with those traumas when they initially happened you know these things don't just happen out of nowhere they build up over time and it's usually just a lot of stressors until this is the point that they snap and they do something right right and that's not fair to anybody and it's not fair to them that they just didn't have the treatment available to them to even give them a shot against it right yeah it's it's not an excuse it doesn't say no, that yeah, what, sure. what they did they shouldn't be punished for or they shouldn't be uh taken out of society for because they have done something that is really antisocial murder is probably the most antisocial thing that you can do mm -hmm. so yes take that person put them out of society but while you have them there Let's fix it. And let's look at the reasons that got them there in the first place. So exactly like you're saying, let's get back to the basics of ch bloody childcare, for goodness sake. Oh, and, God, yeah. Yep. And, and let's start talking about mental health early 
with kids. Let's start talking about if this happens to you, talk about it. If Mm -hmm. something happens to you, please talk to somebody. That person who's telling you it's a secret is wrong. It is, it should not be a secret. Don't teach your kids that secrets are okay. There are no secrets that are okay when you're a child. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Boy, I blather. (laughs) Just no, no you don't. Do. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one story that I kind of wanted to bring up for your book, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, well, kind of funny. Uh, the Mystery of Oak Island. Yep. Um, I don't know if you've got that far yet, Hallie. I have not. Um, so so I, I grew up like 20 minutes down the road. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been? Yep. I've been there a bunch of times. I was there uh, in 2018 when I was home. Yeah. And went on the tour with the Laginas and, and uh, one of the, I think I can't remember Barkhouse, I think is his last name, but. Do you want a quick, do you want to do a quick summary of the deal about Oak Island? So Oak Island is uh, in the, oh gosh, I can't remember the years, but hundreds of years ago, um, <laughs> some young folks were rowing around in Mahone Bay Harbor and found, uh, walked onto Oak Island and found a depression in the ground. And above the depression was a tree with a limb hanging over it. And it looked like a, an old block and tackle over the limb. So this guy and his friends start digging and 10 feet down, they find oak logs and more feet down, they find more oak logs. And this goes on for a hundred feet. And so now years and years, people have been involved in trying to discover what is at the bottom of this pit, which is sort of ironically called the money pit because people keep throwing money into it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they still haven't found it. There's every once in a while, there's something that appears to be something. Um, Now there's that show on History Network, The the, uh, Curse of Oak Island, which I think is a load of baloney but anyway, <laughs> those, those guys are are again throwing money at this and wow. they're more interested in making a really not interesting tv show where nothing <laughs> happens than uh, actually finding something i think so oak island is the other end of mel's hole got it yeah, pretty <laughs> much yeah. the um, curse is just more oak logs yeah yeah <laughs> some so of the some rumors of the... about sorry oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay, so this was all rumors about what the treasure are treasures that could be there, but one is evidence that Francis Bacon wrote Shakespeare's plays. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. What? <laughs> so one of our first episodes, Hallie covered um, Shakespeare and the um, conspiracy theory or whatever that he was actually a woman. Yep, mm-hmm. and we had this whole conversation about Francis Bacon and mm-hmm. everything. So I really wanted to bring that up. For that is so great! Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if there's there's a bunch of speculation around what it might be. People people have thought uh it could be a treasure of the Templars. Um, oh wow. Which is really interesting because there was a castle on Gold River in Nova Scotia which is just sort of up the inlet and then up up the Gold River a little ways. There was a castle that people can't explain that they believe belong to Templars. Um, okay. And so they, they think it's like, um, you know, the, the, uh, oh my gosh, the Holy Grail or the, uh, the lost Ark that might be buried. Amazing. There, right. <laughs> I love that. I'm sure Harrison, Harrison Ford and some top men have put it 
somewhere. <laughs> who's who's dealing top men? <laughs> yeah, there's some guy wheeling a box, putting it somewhere. Oh my god, I love that. So good. <laughs> yeah, the mysteries are kind of fun to write about, but there's so many theories about what you know what it was and and sometimes they get really like okay you're you're just nuts you're just, <laughs> you're just really off your rocker like seriously there are aliens down there's so like an alien civilization sure no <laughs> that's what they're hiding yeah. this whole time damn yeah what better place to to go than you know boring old nova scotia i mean it's pretty there <laughs> no one looks for you there though yeah, yeah exactly are you sure the aliens should start all of Newfoundland? That seems like a, a solid theory. It, yeah, they I'm, just I'm they just settled Newfoundland. It's fine. Pretty certain that all Newfoundlanders are aliens. There, we you heard it here first. <laughs> and as someone with a Newfie blood, then that would make me an alien as well. So oh, beautiful. Well. It's fine. There you go. Podcast host Mike Brown announces that all Newfoundlanders are aliens, <laughs> including himself. <laughs> I learned thunder and I'm from Mars. I'm from Mars, boy. I was down there in Mars the other day and uh, I, I, I couldn't buy a beer because the liquor store was closed. Amazing. Oh my God. Uh, this has been so That's awesome. Amazing. I'm so glad we were able to get you on the show, Mike. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I, you told I really you it was going to be the it. most casual interview you ever did. I hope so. <laughs> And, yeah, and, and and Werner Herzog is here with me. Yes. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm enjoying myself, and uh, I was wondering if Mel's hole is just uh, a doorway to the abyss. <laughs> oh, shut up, Werner! Oh, I love that you just did that. I'm like crying. I can't. <laughs> So I've good. Not enough of Mike voices in my life. For the yeah. last oh time. no, it's so so good. Well, Mike, seriously, it's it's been a real pleasure. I I'm such a big fan, and thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, if you want to check out my show, darkpatine.com, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, you can find us and my other show, Supernatural Circumstances. Do it. It's good for you. There's also Buy a book. My damn book. Buy the dang book. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank um, you. Yeah. <sighs> so are we done? Is that it? Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Just figure yeah. we just bullshit for a while and see what happens. Yeah. I, oh, well, I'm full of shit, so. You know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Recording stopped. Oh, thanks, Karen. Yeah. yeah thanks Karen. For, <laughs> thanks for letting us know, Karen. And that's it for this week. Next week will be a surprise because we haven't recorded it yet. If you love Mike as much as we do, though, you can find all his contact details and projects on our website under the guest section. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Human Exception. Do you have a story you want us to cover, want to tell us that we're wrong, or just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And to get in on the fun, you can come join us on our Discord server. Link can be found on the contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Mm -hmm.